The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of MIA Equity and Equity New Zealand. Each year, the Equity Foundation delivers more than 100 masterclasses, workshops, film screenings, in conversations, international scholarships, and on set internships free of charge for Equity members. We give our thanks to our principal sponsor, Media Super. Hi, as you know, I'm Alex Jones and I'm the Program Manager of the Equity Foundation and today I have the great pleasure in introducing our special guests, Catherine Lavelle and Chinsia Lee. Before we commence, I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nations and pay my respects to all the traditional owners of country and all throughout our country and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture and that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land and we pay our respects to elders past and present. Now, of course, this is a good time to thank the Equity Foundation's principal sponsor, Media Super. Media Super has supported the foundation since our beginning in the early 2000s. They are your industry super fund and they can help you with your superannuation and provide you with financial advice. They're fully equipped to assist you, uh, so don't hesitate to contact them and of course, contact me if you need contact details. As always, it's important that you all mute yourselves. And that's particularly important if you're on an iPhone as it's more difficult to mute from here. We will have Q&A at the end of the session, probably the last 10, 15 minutes. So please feel free to put your questions in the chat section. I will contact you so I can spotlight you and you can ask Catherine directly. However, we will be recording this for a podcast. So your questions will be recorded, but you don't have to give your name or you can ask me to ask on your behalf. Okay, so please welcome Catherine and Chinsia. Hello. Thank you so much uh, for having us today. And we're so honoured to have Catherine with us speaking about public relations, such an important part of our work and career as actors. And to have someone with such an amazing array of credits, Catherine, if you don't mind, I would love to read through some of the work that you have done for people that may not be aware, because when I started to read what you've done my jaw just hit the ground and I was so excited to be interviewing you today so I'm just going to run through some of them here basically with Henson International Television you worked on campaigns such as the Muppet Show the Labyrinth Muppet Babies and my favorite Fraggle Rock which is uh showing my age there but it was so amazing I loved it so much And then when you moved to Australia, um, you joined the Beyond Group where you worked on movies such as Strictly Ballroom, which as especially um, actors in Australia and musical theatre just has our hearts, the the Coke sign forever. (laughs) Um, You worked on The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, Blinky Bill, became the head of network publicity for Network 10. And then when you started your own company, you worked on Lantana, The Magic Pudding, uh, Napoleon Dynamite, James Bond, Die Another Day. Let's have a look here at Showtime Australia, True Blood, Tim Winton's Cloud Street. I know everyone is just as excited as I am with this list. Uh, you've worked with Flickerfest and then more recently, Pine Gap, Crownies, Underbelly, Redfern Now, Dr. Doctor, uh, The Secret She Keeps, Mystery Road, Back to the Rafters, uh, Dr. Doctor for Channel 9. Is there anything that you can't do? It seems like you're the queen of public relations. So welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> not sure about somebody else but yes that's- <laughs> oh that's just amazing so if you don't mind would you be able to just give us a a rundown of how it is that you got into public relations and the journey that you've had so far absolutely 
I just want to apologize to everybody. This is a performance art in itself, me being here, because we're renovating a house at the moment. And of course, we've not had any trades here. Everybody knows trades are the most difficult people to get hold of at the moment. And they've decided to descend today. And so any banging you hear in the background, I apologize. It means I've had to hop foot to my daughter's bedroom and I've got a very uh, naughty black copper spaniel to my right who may decide to make a bit of a spotlight appearance from time to time. So just if everybody can bear with me on that, I'm otherwise all, all yours. Well, actually, I wanted to be an actor and uh, I wanted, I got into the Rose Bruford School in, in England for musical theatre and uh, my father said those words to me of, yes, you can go, but after a year of secretarial training. And I was so cross uh, with him that he'd made me do this and not follow my dream that when I graduated from secretarial training, I actually said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into the industry a different way. And the very first job interview that I went for was working as the assistant secretary to the secretary of the re legal director of Warner Brothers working on Greystoke with Christophe Lombert. And I got that job in, in, in Warner Brothers in uh, Wardour Street in London. And from there really started a bit of a trajectory through working with Warner Brothers and then a small independent production house that uh, really specialised in independent uh, European features, working with um, directors like Matthias von Heinegen and Jos Stelling. And so we started going to the markets like MIPCOM and MIP and AFM and the Cannes Film Festival and MIFED in Italy. And through that got into the marketing and publicity side of things. So when I transitioned to working for Jim and Peter Orton at the Henson's organization, I kind of had a foot in two camps. I was sort of executive assistant to Jim and Peter, but then also looking after the marketing campaigns for a lot of the programs that we would take and films that we would take. So some of the highlights over that period for me were Labyrinth, working on the film Labyrinth, and also the storyteller with John Hurt, which was extraordinary, as well as packaging, you know, the um, elements of Muppet Show, Muppet Babies and Fraggle Rock. So from there, I moved to Australia on a whim. I literally flipped a coin. It's a famous, I've still got the coin. And um, it was Heads, Los Angeles, Tails, Sydney. And it was Tails. So I moved to Sydney with very little money in my pocket. No real contacts other than those that I've made through working with Jim and Peter and got a job at the Beyond Group in their marketing department. And uh, that originated with Beyond 2000 and Jack Thompson down under. I'm really, really uh, at the Great Wall of Iron, which was a very famous documentary series that was done about the People's Liberation Army. And then we set up established Beyond Films with Al Clark and Gary Hamilton. So Al was a producer, Gary was in charge of sales, and I was in charge of marketing. And through Beyond Films, that's where we really did, you know, quite a number of titles like Spotswood and Hammers Over the Anvil and Garbo and just a title after title after title. And right at the end of my time with Beyond, we were invited to see a, a little film, the first reel actually of a little film that had come out of some NIDA graduates. And uh, 
that was strictly ballroom. So we took that to calm and, and the rest of that was history. And uh, yeah, from then on, I set up my own business and did worked a lot with Paul Cox, did a, most of Paul's films actually through that period, as well as films, as you mentioned, like The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert and, um, and a lot of animation films because of my heritage through working with Jim. So established CLPR and um, yeah, that was over 30 years ago. Wow, unbelievable. We're, uh, we're so blessed to be speaking with you today. We're in very good hands. So thank you for explaining that. I'd like to just ask a really basic question to start with, if that's okay, especially for a lot of new actors that are coming in uh, to just, if you wouldn't mind helping to define the difference or similarity with public relations, marketing, media advisor, and where they may blend, but what the difference is between those within organisations. Okay. I'm actually going to break it down a little bit further than that. If I'm, because you'll often, whenever you go on to a production, be it television or film, slightly different with musical theatre, but certainly with, with film and TV, you'll kind of, there may be a, a lack of distinction as to whose role is what. So let me just explain that first of all. When you're in production, you're dealing with what we call the unit publicist. And it's the unit publicist's role uh, to create the marketing materials and facilitate the uh, media set visits for that production. So if, for instance, you're working on the adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, you know, my, my job there was to, and has been ever since on any production that I've worked, is to create the media kit so that the, um, any media visiting set and or who are going to write about the film or the show after the fact actually have the vernacular to, that everybody is comfortable with, like Stephen Elliott and Al Clark and Andrina Finlay and Rebel Penfold Russell were all comfortable with as to how that film was going to be referred to. Um, there's no such thing as plagiarism in publicity. In fact, you hope for it. So if you write the right material, you hope and wish that your material will then appear in the press attributed to, you know, journalism or, or whatever, because that is the purposes of the media kit. So that's the first thing. The second thing that they do is, um, or I do is curate or direct and curate all of the imagery to do with that production. And uh, there's a very important note on this, which I'd really like to talk to everybody about. The unit stills photographer works to the unit uh, unit publicist. And, you know, I think there's a misnomer as to what that stills photographer is actually doing on set. I can't, I've had a number of conversations with people going, oh, they're shooting behind the scenes. And that is absolutely the case and it is absolutely not the case their principal remit is to get really good first class imagery of the actor in character in situ either within a scene or what we call slightly cheated as character gallery so that is something that is so important because any uh, any publicity that is in ensuant from the um, the actual production itself is basically um, hinged on the uh, quality of the imagery and the better the imagery the bigger the piece so as an actor I say to each and every one of you it is your job 
absolutely your job. If you want to make sure that you've got you know, great elements and you can utilize um, after the production is finished to make that opportunity with the stills photographer because they will be looking for opportunity to photograph you in your character and photograph you in your character's relationships. So if you know that you're set ready and you, you know, don't have your Ugg boots on or your warm jacket or rollers in or you're, you know, um, that you are actually what we call set ready, costume ready, go find the stills photographer and say, do you have time, you know, to do some character gallery of me? Or here's my, you know, on-screen wife and, and daughter or husband and, you know, best friend. Can we, can we have a, char some, a character gallery session together? Because the more imagery the producers have got to give to the film distributor or the network, the more likely your character within that piece is going to get used. Similarly, and what a lot of people don't know, is that once the images have been utilized by the distributor or by the network, it is well within your rights to contact the producers, never the photographer, always the producers or the unit publicist, and say, hi, during you know, filming, so-and-so stills photographer took these great images of me um, do you think I could have some for my portfolio or IMDb? And if they have, if that that sequence is already run, if it's a long running series, or if the film is already out and that imagery is not being used, you are more than likely going to be sent a tranche of images that you can utilize, which is so handy for you as an actor because you're then able to say, well, in this show, I played a bad person. In this show, I played the romantic lead. In this person, in this show, I played a doctor in this play. So that you've actually got yourself in different ways. And that's a very good thing to utilize to populate your IMDb and to have in your files. So that if there is a, a larger article done on you at some point in your career, that you've got that imagery with the permission to utilize it. Wow, that's amazing. That's just invaluable because I know that so much of being on set, especially when people are new, is navigating, you know, like you sometimes you don't ask questions because you think you don't want to say the wrong thing, but being able to know that it's actually okay and it's to be able to approach the right people and people will be able to come back and listen to this podcast and go, great, I'm on set now. Who's the right person that I speak to? So it's just amazing to know that. And I guess uh, further from that, when someone does find themselves in a position um, of being on set and being able to be photographed, where does, the, where does it sit with public relations and publicity and... Yeah, sorry, so yeah. I got hung. So, yeah, so that's the role of a unit publicist. Is yes. Create the materials. Perfect. And to, at the end of production, package up those materials. So all of the images, the EPK, the electronic press kit materials, the, the, the um, media kit, and then the banked interviews and set visits that have taken place. And that is literally all packaged up onto a hard drive, just to give people kind of a visual on it, and handed to the producers to give to the international distributors, the domestic distributors, or the, the network. And then the network publicist takes it from that point on 
and what and rolls it out to the the media so quite often you or very rarely will you have a unit publicist that will go completely from script to screen it is an offer that my company does have and we are very often utilized in that regard just because of the breadth of knowledge that we've got across both areas but ordinarily in an ordinary an ordinary world it will be the unit publicist who hands all of the materials to the network publicist and then the network publicist will be the one who's contacting your agent and yourself in order to facilitate uh, interviews uh, in order to support the show or the a film going to air. And in musical theatre, that's slightly different. It, you will have the same publicist who is working uh, for that impresario who will take the show through um, rehearsals, through to being whilst it's, you know, in season. So you will have that single point of contact throughout. But in screen work, it will be two very different. So that, those are the works of, the, of a unit publicist and a network publicist. On top of that, you've got personal publicists and what do they do and how do they fit in with it? And there are a number of schools of thought of this. So a personal publicist is somebody who works with an individual for the sole purpose to promote that individual and their work. So if you are fortunate enough to have maybe three or four shows going out at the same time, on th or, or three shows in a film, you're gonna have a situation where your agent is going to be asked by Channel 7 for one show, Network 10 for another, and Amazon for another, and then Warner Brothers or 20th Century Fox going, can you do this interview? Can you do that radio show? Can you do this? And it's the cacophony of sound can be quite deafening. So at that point, that's where I say it's good to have a personal publicist who's able to navigate on your behalf the the value of the different approaches that are being made and piece them together like a jigsaw so that it best affects your career and also assist you with the personal aspects of publicity because one of the aspects when you are promoting a show that people always want to do is they don't want to just talk to you about your character they want to talk about where you came from you know um, where you live now you know what other hobbies you've got you know who you might be in a relationship with these are questions that you will absolutely get asked and a personal publicist is somebody who can assist you in the navigation of that and the determination of what you want to talk about, how you want to talk about it, and what you don't want to talk about, because that's well within your rights. You don't have to talk about something if you don't want to. You know, we were all brought up, I think I can say collectively in an age where, you know, if you're asked a question, you feel you've got to answer in, and that if there's a silence, you've got to fill it. In publicity, that's not the case. My only note on that is it's not necessarily what you, say or don't say it's how you say or don't say it and so you know you can be quite lovely and firm and just smile and just uh, uh, accept the question whatever that might be and say you know thank you so much for asking me about that you'll have heard people say that thank you so much for asking me that however you know we're here to talk about whatever or you know you have your line and then similarly you know in politics and you'll have, have heard so many politicians say this line, when they're asked a question by the media, they'll say, 
Let me say this. I'm sure you've all heard it. The reason they're doing that is acknowledging the question, saying that they're not necessarily going to be led by that question, but put out the key message that they want to put out. So whenever you're listening to the news and you hear Anthony Albanese or you know, um, any number of politicians say, well, let me say this, you know that that is them redirecting the answer to where they want it to go. So do you think as actors, it's important to be on the front foot and get some kind of media training? Or is that something you kind of learn along the way? I know, you know, for me with musical theatre, for instance, you know, um, I, I was lucky enough, I've never found myself in a position where there were questions I didn't want to answer, or I was always really excited, you know, <laughs> publicity came in, it's like, this is so amazing, we get to do, you know, the fireworks for New Year's Eve at the Sydney Opera House, and so it was always a, a joy for me. Um, but is there a, a way, especially these days, you know, so much is online, um, is there some sort of training that people can get on the front foot with or is it just an unfolding? My advice would be before you, there's no, if, if you know that you've got a role whereupon you're going to get asked to do media, there are two things that you should do. One is ask your unit publicist, network publicist or show publicist to give you some media training in regards to how to navigate media. That that will save you the money from actually having to pay for it. And that is part of their job, is to ensure that anybody who is interfacing with the media is well prepared. The other thing that a lot of people don't realise or don't ask for is whenever you're doing or if you are asked to do an interview um, on behalf of a production, always ask for the media materials. Ask, can you please send to me the media kit or the media materials that the media have got so that you're already ahead of what knowledge they've got so you're not trying to second guess whether or not they know what you're about to say. And the other thing that you should always ask for is your key messaging points. So what are the key messaging points? Am I allowed to say when this is going to premiere on stage? Am I allowed to say, you know, do we know when it's going to premiere on screen or in the theatres? And, you know, can I talk to that if I'm asked? Or is that something that I've got to say, oh, well, that's not a question for me, it's a question for the producers. Just so that you're prepared, it's a bit like going into, you know, a read-through or to an audition. You would never go in without being prepared. So treat publicity the same way and make sure that you've got all of the elements that you require in order to best represent yourself and best represent the project that you're speaking about. Okay, yeah, fabulous. And in terms of when we're looking at people setting, because we were sort of touched on that a lot of things are online. So obviously when we're looking at things like social media, our own profiles, I know that, you know, there was certainly when reality television first started in Australia, um, you know, certain, you'd, there'd be certain times where they'd say we want a certain amount of followers for people to, in order for them to be seen for a role or things like that. So setting up a social media profile in order to, as I guess, as you're also starting your career, but before, whilst you're auditioning, I guess, and then transitioning to when you're actually in a role, how important is that to be able to understand what it is you're creating for yourself and putting out there um, in terms of your career? This is such an important question, Cynthia, and I can't impress this. 
the, the word social media. There's a word in that that will indicate to you everything that I'm about to, to say, the word media. So what you have to understand is that back in the day when we were doing, you know, Priscilla and Strictly Ballroom and all of those films, there was no other way to promote that project than other, through, than, other than through the traditional forms of publicity. These days, you have at your fingertips and at your disposal the facility of promoting your next role or your next project through your own social media platforms. Now, that is terrific, but let's just put terrific to the side for the moment and let me just explain the responsibility, and I'm going to use that word, that you have with that. So if you choose to have your social media platforms open, be that Instagram, um, you know, or any of the other ones, understand that that is the first place any media will go to to get imagery or commentary of you or about you. So now, even if you're, you know, still haven't made it big yet in terms of being, at, you know, number one or two on the call sheet, God forbid if something you know, inadvertent happens in your life that, you know, the media are reporting on for whatever reason, they will go to your, your social media. First and foremost, they will take whatever images you have put up and they will put, use them and credit them to you in the article. So my rule with social media is this. If you don't want to see it on the front page of a newspaper, or you don't want great aunt Esmeralda or your grandmother to see you in that situation on the front page of a newspaper or don't put it up. And the reason for that is that all, not too often, but on occasion that has occurred. And people just don't realize the impact of putting something up at the age of maybe 18 or 21 that's all the way down the bottom of their feed because the media will go all the way down the bottom of your feed. The other thing is that if other people tag you in situations that you perhaps don't want on the front cover of, of, a, of a newspaper, um, because they can just click, you know, check the hashtag, you know, hashtag Catherine Lavelle or Kath Lavelle, hashtag CLPR, what, what pops up? Oh, look, on somebody else's post, there's this. So you, with your social media, make sure that everything that is on there is something that you would be happy to have appear in print. Yeah, I guess otherwise it's like trying to herd cats. <laughs> well, it, well, it's just, an, and I would encourage each and every one of you after this session, and when I do, because I do do media training as well, but I, and I say as part of my media training, I do it in two parts. I say, right, here's the media training. Now go away. And just have a look to see what is your hashtag, hashtagged on what you're tagged in um, or tagged in the image of on other people's um, social media. And also what is on your social media that you would not want to appear for any purpose. And I actually do encourage people and I'm renowned for this. And there are people out there who know me well, they've heard me speak about this all the time is, my advice to you is never to be photographed with a drink in your hand. 
because if God forbid you're found drink driving or in a disorderly conduct state or whatever, that is the first thing. They will literally take your photographs from great aunt Esmeralda's 99th birthday, where you're going cheers to great aunt Esmeralda and say, and, and then take one from somebody's 21st and something from here, put up a series of them and go, they've always had a problem. Where you've not always had a problem, you've just been photographed in, in, in situations that they've chosen to create a narrative. So protect yourself first. That is my mantra on personal publicity, is that I protect first and promote second. So my advice to you is protect yourself first by making sure that your social media platforms represent the very best of you. And if you, if you do find yourself where you feel like you have, say, made a mistake, I guess potentially that would be, would that be something that would then be handled by a publicist or is there anything, you know, you know how sometimes you'll see people will, you know, delete their social media account or they do things like, is there anything that you would, any points around that that you could give people? Um, you know, the, 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 if, if you do happen to find yourself in trouble, I would absolutely um, have a discussion with somebody who knows or has had experience in that arena prior to, to any action. I think that that is very, very important because sometimes you can inadvertently through good intention make matters worse. So my advice is to engage, engage conversation, at least if not the, a professional with somebody who knows um, how to manage social media. On the flip side of that, because I did say, look, look after your social media, curate it carefully, make sure it shows the very best of you and be careful with those people who go, oh, it's totally fine. I'm on private settings because I do believe that on that screed of stuff that you cite, that you're meant to read when you sign up for these things, it says that anything that you put up onto these forums is that the copyright is owned by that forum. So they can actually give access to people. My That is my understanding. So I think it would be churlish perhaps to say, oh, I'm on private. It doesn't matter. I would hate for anybody to be tripped up with that. So I think it's a general rule. In, in that regard. Now, having said the negative of social media, social media is also a great positive because, you know, the actual utilization of that forum to promote your work and to put up, as I, as I, we set out and started talking about the stills photography, if, for instance, you know, you've just been in the second season of The Secret She Keeps and it's all up, you know, it's, it's out there now on Paramount Plus and it's all looking fabulous, but you know that you've got some photography that the stills photographer took and that you get that photography because there will, you know, it won't be used or it's already been seen in the domain, in public domain. You can actually put that up there and then tag The Secret She Keeps and that actually shows you in that character and associates you with that production because quite often it's, you know, maybe one, two, three, and four who get into the magazines and the newspaper. I'm talking about list on the call sheet and you might be seven, eight, nine, or 10, but you can still go, well, you know, here I am with, you know, Laura Carmichael in a scene because you know that you've got it from the producers. It's an approved image and you're cleared to utilize it. Okay. Amazing. Thank you. That's so, so helpful, amazingly helpful, especially in, in this, in the navigation, I guess you would say, when you feel like you 
are doing things on your own, especially to start with. If we may move on to touching on something that I I think is sometimes not necessarily um, spoken about as much, but is so important, which is the, the reputation that you can really you know, build when you're on set or when you're in rehearsals or working and how important it is to make sure that you know you're showing up on time if you have media events or say, for instance, you need to attend opening nights or different things like that. You know, how how important is it? Um, is it like when you're on set, it actually radiates out when when people really get to know how you, how you show up as an actor? Yeah, the, the best publicity you've got is yourself. So how you act and interact with your peers, your crew, the producers, the network, and um, the reputation that you build for yourself is a precursor to uh, the reputation that will be built to the me- to, through the media to the public. So, you, c- you know, you have complete and absolute control of that. You can decide who, who it is that you want to be perceived to be. And, you know, it's the old, I believe it's an old actor's maxim that if your call time is a certain time, you always arrive 15 minutes ahead of it. So, you know, same same with um, publicity and with events that you ensure that you, you know, you're not running late, you're not, you know, causing the the, um, network or anybody to try to diversify their staff because you're not where you need to be at the appointed time. I mean, it's just those common courtesies that we're all aware of, you know, that we're all in this together, we're all working together for a single aim, and that is to make the best of the project that you're involved with and your association with that. So help the people who are helping you. That's probably my greatest advice. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's amazing. It's um, I remember once someone saying, "Your mic's always on," <laughs> and I <laughs> and I feel it's the same. You know, as soon as we step onto a set or in rehearsals, you know, it it really is that. You know, it's you bring yourself into everything that that you do as well, and that's really where the magic can happen, and also where we understand that. What we do is it's it can be our identities in terms of our jobs, but there's also our, our personal selves that, that come along with it. So I loved that you said that um, the best publicity is yourself. I put that down in quote. <laughs> That's just perfect. So I wanted to ask in terms of if people, you, you explained that you do some media training. And so is that for people, whether they're starting, whether they're mid-career, or if people have been overnight sort of thrust into the spotlight, is yeah, there a difference? It's, no, it's, it's all the same. Okay. You know, if for, you know, the mess, the key messaging of media training is the same regardless of where you are in your career. And sometimes, you know, people need a refresher and a reminder. Some people that, you know, really find it very difficult doing interviews where they're talking as themselves about themselves playing the character as opposed to being a character. And some people find it very, very difficult doing photo shoots as themselves. So, you know, if they're a character, you know, they're absolutely that character, but they find it difficult to actually stand on a on a, a, a psych and kind of be told to smile or emote or do something. I mean, it's actually can be quite confronting. So media training in that regard can be really, really helpful. 
the other way that media training can be very helpful is, is that defensive publicity. If, if there is a situation that does need handling, that somebody can talk you through the key messaging and how to handle all of that. And, you know, one of the things I'd love to give you all, which is something I, I do in my media training, and I'll, I'll give this now, whenever you're in an interview, I want you to think of it like a tennis match. So the journalist is on the other side of the set of the of the net and you're returning serve. So they serve to you their their best shot. Now, if you bat that shot, if you kind of like go, oh, I don't know what I'm doing with that. That ball is just going to go somewhere else and into the crowd. You've got no control of it. Whereas if you actually think about the ball coming towards you, go in and know where you want to return that ball on the other side of the net, you've got control. So if you can think about it like a tennis match, that you're in control at all times. You don't have to say anything you don't want to say. You don't have to agree with anything you don't agree with. You accept the, the question or you, know, you return the serve the way and place that ball or that answer in exactly the quadrant or the space of the, of the court that you want it to go into. And then you wait for them to return the ball back to you and that's the conversation. So um, that is my advice to people. The other analogy I use is basketball is that you catch the ball, you pull the ball into yourself and then you throw it or you do, do, do what you're going to do with it. You don't just bat it away and kind of hope for the best. You take a considered approach, you take a breath, you, take an, you think about what you want your answer to be. There is no rush and then you return it. And if something doesn't come back to you, you don't have to fill that silence. If they don't return the ball to you, wait for them to return a ball or, you know, or start your own serve by saying, you know, isn't it beautiful weather or how did you get here today? Or would you like a cup of tea? Just be aware that you, in any situation where you are being interviewed ever, you're the one who is in control. I love that. That's really empowering and it's a really empowering image and it's very grounding as well. And I guess that people, it's sort of like building muscles each time you do it, you will become more confident in that. And I guess there are times where people will walk away and go, why did I say that? But then it's like, great, next time that happens, I'll remember I'm in a tennis match and, and I'm able to actually be in, in control and be able to uh, handle handle questions better and, and like you said before I wrote some of these down too which I love so much is I will say and often I hear people when they're being interviewed say things like that's a great question that's which, that's me that, that that's a great question you're accepting the question yeah. but then you go and then you push out the answer that you want so you're returning the serve the way and that you want it to go yeah, no, that's, it's perfect. Thank you so much. I just wanted to make sure if that, to see if there's any questions. There's one or two. So Okay, yeah, I'll, perfect. I'll kick over and, um, and take over. And uh, just a reminder to everyone, if you um, want me to ask on your behalf, just let me know and I'll, and I'll do it. Okay, I'll start off with one here. What advice do you have for young actors in such a competitive industry when they're sort of to help them build their profile, help them sort of build and get and get started. Can can media and PR help you in that way? You should only do media when you've got something to talk about. 
that's what about really important. Then? Yeah. Publicity, any, you know, any, in any regard, there's no point in, in doing something unless you've got something to talk about, because that's one of the first things they're going to say, well, what, they, what have they got coming up? Or what have they just done? But one of the things that you can do, and, and I encourage everybody to do, is I'm going back to the very beginning of this of this um, conversation about imagery. Imagery is king, and that is what really secures real estate in magazines, papers, online forums. So if you've got really good images of yourself uh, that you can supply, the interview may only run 500 words, but the image may run half a page. So it means that you've actually gone from being a column inch because you've got a great image of yourself that is free and clear for placement. So my advice to people is to refresh their image banks as much as possible, to make sure that they have got imagery of themselves. And when you do a shoot, make sure that you uh, own the images outright with photographer credit or whatever, so that you can place them without having to go through that whole thing of trying to secure the rights or buy them or, or whatever. So make sure that you own them free and clear in all media in perpetuity, really important. And then don't utilize all of your sequences on social media, because one of the things that magazines and papers will do is say, has this been seen somewhere before? And if you say, well, no, it hasn't, and then they do a search of you, and the first place they'll go is your social media, and they see that you're wearing, you know, that Aaron top sitting on a windswept beach in a different image, but the same setup but on your social media, that's killed the sequence. So if you are going to do a shoot and you're going to say do six or seven looks, only use one or two or three on your social media, keep some back to make sure that you've got that so that if there is an opportunity to do some media more and especially in in the time that we find ourselves now where things are on zoom as we are now or on phoners people say have you got an image that you could supply of you as you uh, i ask this question of of people of all of the productions that i'm working on and making sure that it is free and clear in all media in perpetuity so that you have a right to um, to supply it and that will open the door to a greater kind of presence within the media. But be, even before that, if you're a graduate from any one of our fine acting institutions, if you've come into the industry and you're you know, starting to make a path for yourself, make sure that you've got some really great images of yourself. And those are the ones that you should be populating your Instagram with because, you know, casting directors, I'm not a casting director, but you know, they look everywhere to find somebody. They look, you know, on Showcast, they look through the, the agents and, you know, if they hear of somebody, they will go to your social media to see what your different looks are if you don't have it already populated on IMDb. Okay, I've got Anthony Wong coming up. Hi, Anthony. Hi, Catherine. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm very well. I was just taking a little bit of a walk down memory lane when you mentioned the documentary Great Wall of Iron that I was involved in many, many years ago. But I just want to say thank you so much uh, for this incredible talk and uh, sharing of your knowledge. It's been so valuable. You're so articulate. And thank you, Cinzia, also for your wonderful questions. I just had a question about, I, I'm an acting coach and I have a lot of clients and students who are from the LGBTQIA community. And 
several of them, not all, but several of them are very frightened to be honest about their sexuality in the public arena. They feel that it might be damaging to their careers. And I remember when there was that movie with Kate Jackson, Michael Onkian and Harry Hamlin back in the mid eighties called Making Love. And those two straight actors came out, you know, did that movie. They didn't, and basically their careers took a bit of a nosedive for many, many years. But I don't think it's the same situation in 2022. I was just interested to see what your thoughts about that are. Um, I'm not a casting person, as you know, Anthony, but, you know, I think that that is part of the past and not part of the present. I think that used to be potentially a thing, but in this day and age, I think that community is is embracive of all communities and that there is now an understanding that you know people can play we're actors for goodness sake we can play any role you know that's the that is the beauty of being an actor so i do think that that in the in in the past has been an issue but i would like to hope um and certainly from my observations i would say that that is not you know, not so much of a thing anymore. Um, I can name a number of actors now who are playing, you know, across a form of different roles um, and, you know, doing, you know, extremely fine work. So I would be surprised and horrified if that was still the case. And I would agree with you because when you look across the scope of both broadcast and streaming television, in almost every show now, you can identify openly gay, openly LGBT actors in lead and series regular roles. And just as recently as in the last few years, MJ Rodriguez, who's a trans actor, made history by becoming the first trans actor to win a Golden Globe. And so this is, and I'm also looking just um, in terms of the trans acting community of how many trans actors, there's still more work to be done, obviously, that are nabbing amazing roles in shows like Euphoria, Pose, etc. So I, I, I hope it's a thing of the past. I wonder if that's the same in things like Hollywood action and blockbuster movies, though I know television has changed a lot. wonder what your thoughts about that are. I really can't comment on that. I mean, not because I don't want to, but because I'm not, you know, in that community of Hollywood you know, I think these questions would be really well placed of producers and casting agents rather than a publicist. You know, from, from my perspective and my observation, the people that I get to work with across a broad range of characters and characterizations, my experience for, for quite a while now has been how they identify has not played into the role that they're playing. And I, I've got, I'm not going to name names, but I've got I've got a list of names in my head right now of people who I hold in the highest regard of their of, of their ability. And it would never occur to me to ask them, you know, how they identify before I would have cast them if I was an actor, if I was a casting person. But I can't, I can't speak to that. I think that that has to be a producer or a casting question. Now, I've got quite a few questions, and because we've only got much more time, I might just run through them. So, Catherine, if you're someone's an actor in an independent production, what's the best way to engage the media? Should, should they seek out a publicist? Uh, if it's an independent production, there's still producers, and I would imagine oh, quite often with an independent production, 
there would be people involved who would be creating those materials. I mean, I actually honed my career in independent production with you know my work with Paul Cox and, and what have you. So I, I, I always am loath for people to start spending money until they really need to. And I think that if you can engage with the producers and, and also have an understanding and a respect of, of, you know, of where you are, there's no point if, if you're sort of a guest role, engaging a publicist to talk about something where you're a guest for one episode, because the media are always going to ask what's coming up next, what, what have you done in the past? There's got to be a broad range. So you're, I, think the, I think they might be also mentioning theatre. Oh, in theatre, um, well, similarly, um, the producer, whoever is producing or the impresario who's ever producing it uh, would have a campaign in that regard. So the first conversation that that person should have is with the, uh, the production company who's producing it be it independent theater or independent uh, film or, tele uh, well, not television, but independent film. So, um, you know, there's no point in spending your money unless there's a really good reason to do it. And the really good reason to do it is that if that person, or if a publicist says to you, yes, this is really, you've, you, there are elements here that we can actually promote. One of the things that might, I advise people is that as an actor, you have to make a decision. Are you an actor first and a celebrity second, or are you a celebrity? And a celebrity is somebody who chases column inches for the purpose of, you know, of, of promoting themselves. And an actor who becomes a celebrity second is somebody who does publicity to promote the show that they're in. So you actually have to make a decision, you know, what sort of publicity do I want to be doing? Do I want to be doing what's in my shopping basket and, you know, the 10 things I take on an aircraft and what have you, all of those have a place if they're part of a larger campaign where you are doing bigger interviews. But if that's all you're doing, I would suggest that that's going to put you in a realm of not talking about your work and your work should come first and the, your work is your best promotion. All right. Thank you, Kat. What about, uh, is there a preferred social media platform, Facebook versus Instagram, Twitter, et cetera? Instagram is the place to be. That's, that is the place because it's image focused. You know, Facebook really, I think, you know, people who are 60 and above now use Facebook. I shouldn't say that. Somebody's going to come after me, aren't they? But anyway, I just think that Instagram, if there's one medium that you're going to utilize, Instagram is the place to be because that has all of the facility of, of the hashtag so that you can do the searches for various things and it's picture orientated. Now, what about if you've sort of mid-career and, you, and your career is not, is taken a little bit of a, um, you haven't much to talk about currently, what about Flashback Friday and Throwback Thursday and all absolutely. that stuff? I think that that's got absolute value and it's wonderful because people love to see that. And it does bring you, you know, back into the, the realm of, you know, this is what I was doing and, you know, watch this space. So, the, you know, again, just make sure that your imagery is free and clear. I do have one tip as well. If you're on set... Uh, or in the theatre and you're taking rehearsal photographs or behind the scenes photographs, make sure that the people in those photographs are okay with you posting them. Don't just post them because there have been situations where 
you know, something may have been going on in the background of shot that to you didn't seem very big, like somebody maybe having a cigarette or whatever, and they've told their family that they've given up. So just make sure that you've got clearance. If you are going to put anything up on your social media, remember the word media and understand that you are putting it into a public platform. And therefore anybody in that frame should that you should really seek their permission before putting it up because you would expect that respect and courtesy to be afforded to you in reverse. Oh, we've got so many questions. We could be here for hours, but I'll just ask, we've got one, a few more. Um, you mentioned that what to speak about and what not to talk about. Are there any sort of top three things that you, to, you should avoid? Well, no, not really. It's totally up to you. Again, you are 100% in control. But again, I'm going to go back to Aunt, great aunt Esmeralda or you, your granny. If there's something that you're about to speak about in the media about your family, that perhaps you check that your family are okay with you talking about that. You know, they, they have not chosen your career, you have. So if you're going to speak about, you know, the fact that your brother is a secret agent working undercover in, you know, in some far flung place, you know, check with him that you're okay to say that because that might not be a good thing to actually, you know, to talk about. So, I mean, that's a very sort of out there example, but it gives you a good example that whatever you talk about, whether it's part of your family or your world or, you know, that you, that the, the people that you are talking about would be happy with you imparting that knowledge. And similarly, anything that you do talk about, understand that once it's in the public domain, it's there forever. And so, you know, if you start, you know, saying, for instance, I don't eat mangoes, I've never eaten a mango, and later on, you're caught photographed eating a mango, they might go back and say, in 1972, they said they would never eat a mango, and here's a photograph. I mean, I'm, you, again, utilizing a ridiculous example, but I'm giving you the, the, the essence of it, that whatever is out there is out there once you have said it. Cynthia, I'll throw it back to you in a second. There's one question here. Is there a ballpark figure for having a personal publicist? And when do you and do you need and can you have a personal publicist even when you're not working? Uh, yes, you can have a personal publicist when you're not working. And I can't comment on, you know, on prices because the, it varies. You know, it's uh, it's like saying, is there a ballpark um, a, a figure for going out to a restaurant? It depends on what restaurant you're going to. Okay, I'll throw it back to you, Jintia. Thank you. Yeah, amazing. I just wanted to say thank you so much on behalf of the actors uh, around Australia and New Zealand uh, that you have been able to sh uh, just shed such amazing light with your valuable information. And I, I just want to thank you wholeheartedly because it's been an absolute pleasure to be able to speak with you today. And I feel very empowered and that's what has been a, a huge takeaway for me today is I feel you've just empowered us and that's just such a gift. And is there anything, before we let you go on your beautiful holiday, uh, just, just one key point that you could say to leave us with today? Look after your profile because nobody else will. I love it. Thank you so much for your time today. And uh, I know that um, you'll be able, people will be able to find you through Alex as well. Uh, I'm sure Alex has the information there. And thank you so much. And, uh, have and I a want wonderful to say, afternoon. <laughs> I want to say thank you to Catherine and Chinsia on behalf of all the members and to uh, thank you to everyone who's been here today and been so engaged. 
Catherine um, squeezed us in when she's incredibly busy. So we really appreciate it. And thank you also to Media Super. So thank you. And a big round of applause to Chintia and Catherine, please. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by our principal sponsor, Media Super and the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work we do, visit equityfoundation.org.au or follow Equity Foundation Australia on Facebook and Instagram.